0: Today, we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each one of us. Peace be with you. Friends, for this sixth Sunday of Easter, I want to focus on the first letter of St. Peter, which is our second reading for this weekend. You know, we don't have a lot of passages from 1 Peter during the liturgical year, so I want to take advantage of this Easter tide to explore this marvelous text a bit. I want to focus in on a few lines from the beginning of our passage, for they have proven to be of enormous significance in our tradition. Peter says, listen, always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. In many ways, everybody, this is the master text for all theologians and catechists and apologists up and down the centuries to the present day. Something that's distinctive to biblical Christianity is that from the beginning, it's been very interested in doctrine and expressing doctrine clearly and articulately. Now, I say distinctive because there are many religions and spiritual traditions that put the stress not so much on doctrine, but on practice. The technical term, not so much on orthodoxy, but orthoproxis. It just means not so much right belief, but right action. And a version of this in, in popular spirituality is often expressed today well, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're a good person. You know, it's it's the practice that matters. Now, Christianity certainly has had a very strong ethical code grounded in the Sermon on the Mount, but it's never been satisfied with mere orthopraxis. Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict XVI, gives a good reason for this. It's because we declare that the Logos, the word or the reason of God, has become flesh in Jesus. That's why we're a logical religion, because we're a Logos religion. Jesus said to his apostles, who do people say that I am? And it was Peter, the author of our letter for today, who gave the correct answer. You are of the Christ, the Son of the living God. From those earliest days, getting the teaching about God and Jesus and the Spirit and the Church right has mattered immensely to Christians. You know, we don't just say, well, as long as you're a nice person, it doesn't matter. No, no, we we take very seriously doctrine. It's also why, from the very earliest times, the Church has proposed creeds Formal statements of belief, most of which grew out of baptismal practice. So if someone's brought for baptism, he or she would be asked, well, what do you believe? You know, do you believe in God? And yes. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Yes. Do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Etc. Out of those baptismal uh, interrogations, if you want, the creeds developed. And actually, it's hard to find something exactly comparable in any other religion. You won't find it in Judaism. You don't find it in Islam, which expresses its faith in a very simple way. Buddhism, the eightfold path, it's more orthopraxis. But Christianity, from the beginning, has been very interested in articulating what we believe. Okay, and all this brings me back to the opening lines of our reading. St. Peter is telling ordinary believers that they are on to be theologians. Now, why, though? Why? Precisely because people will be curious about the extraordinary hope that they demonstrate. It's cool, isn't it, there? It's not like just an intellectual, purely intellectual interest. They'll be curious to know where the hope you demonstrate comes from. And when they're asked, Christians should be ready to respond. Therefore, I say to all my fellow believers, we can't let ourselves off the theological or apologetic hook. You know, we can't say, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a theologian. You better look that up in Thomas Aquinas. No, no, and I know not everyone's Thomas Aquinas. I get that. But you should be ready to give a reason for your hope. You. Peter's not saying here, well, Thomas Aquinas should be willing to give a reason, or maybe St. Paul can do that. No, no, you, every believer, every baptized person, should be ready to give a reason for the hope that's in you. You know, let me tell you something that bugged me during the so-called new atheist period, go back to the the zeros, the very beginning of the century, when... Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris, those people emerged as very, very sharp critics of religion. How few Christians were able to rise articulately and convincingly to meet them? That bugged me. I watched a lot of these debates, you know, and the the new atheists, I think they're as wrong as they can be, but they're sharp, bright, articulate. And how few Christians there were—I mean, William Lane Craig, I think, is the great exception— but how few Christians there were that were able, in the face of this withering attack, to give a reason for the hope that's in them. I've been complaining for a long time, as many of you know, about a dumbed-down Catholicism. You know, I mean, I I know we had to emphasize some other features of the Church's life and all that. I have no problem with it, but— If Peter is right in this reading, a dumbed down Catholicism is not the answer because we got to be ready, willing, and able to give a reason for the hope that's in us. Notice something else here, everybody. Peter says, always be ready, not sometimes, (laughs) not usually, always. So, can I say, fellow believers, We all got to pick up our game here. Read, study, think, ask, wonder. Consult the great theologians and spiritual teachers of our tradition. How sad it is if when we're asked, we have nothing substantive to say. And can I be blunt here, everybody? We're living in a time, it's been true for a while, that our young people go off to college and university, and what do they hear, sadly, from a lot of their professors? They hear an attack on religion. They hear religion put down as pre-scientific uh, superstition. Where are the great Christians, and I mean in, in their families, who could rise up and say, no, that's not true, and let me tell you why? It's not sufficient for us to say, as long as you're a good person. No, no. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope. Okay. Having made that point, I think, clearly enough, let me continue with St. Peter. But do it, he says, with gentleness and reverence, keeping your conscience clear. Okay, if your religion is largely a matter of orthopraxis, you're all about being kind to your neighbor, most likely your religion is not going to cause you much problem or tension with other people. I mean, who's against being kind? So if you say that's what religion's all about, you're not going to get into arguments with people. But the moment you say that your religion is about definite doctrinal claims, like it or not, you are going to get into arguments, right? Because to say X is true is to say non-X is false. That's just the way it goes. When you say God exists, you're implicitly saying that those who deny God's existence are in error. When you say Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you're at least implicitly saying that those who deny this are wrong. And that's why... Christians, from the beginning, have been involved in lots of arguments. Irenaeus, Origen, John Chrysostom, Augustine, Anselm, Thomas Aquinas, Robert Bellarmine, John Henry Newman, G.K. Chesterton, they've all been arguers because they've taken what St. Peter says here seriously. Now, you know, if you doubt me on this score, can I invite you to go on any of my Internet platforms? <laughs> so I do this work a lot of apologetics and catechesis and theology and so on, uh, you won't find one article I've ever written or one video I've ever published that has not excited opposition. I can say that without fear of contradiction. And, and mind you, I don't have a particularly polemical style. I'm not one of these people that's always trying to pick a fight. But I don't know any article or video I publish that hasn't stirred up some opposition. But remember now what St Peter said. When you give a reason for the hope that's in you, do it with gentleness and reverence, keeping your conscience clean. Can I give here's one bit of advice everybody, when you're involved in this kind of arguing and that's inevitable, it's it's okay. We're we're a we're an arguing religion. But when you do it, think my purpose here is not to win an argument. My purpose is to win someone for Christ. If I'm interested primarily in in beating up my opponent and proving that I'm right, then I'm not doing this good work with gentleness and reverence. But if I'm doing it out of a desire... To bring somebody to Christ and to bring them to greater truth. If I love them more than I love winning the argument, then I'm following St. Peter's advice. Then, even as I argue, as I should, I'm keeping my conscience clear. So, if you want to sum it up, be bold in your speech, fellow believers. Be smart, theologically informed, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's in you, but always do it with love, desiring to win a soul, not an argument, and God bless you.